Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I want you to look with me in Proverbs chapter 18. And I want to give you tonight just a simple little lesson. But it's one that is true and it's one that I believe you're supposed to hear. Because it's, it's one that can change your life. Proverbs 18, this is one of my favorite verses. I, I often pray it back and say back to God what he promises in this verse. Proverbs 18 and verse 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great people. A person's gift, a man or a woman's gift, which means every person under the sound of my voice has a gift. And that gift is unique and it is something that God gave you a passion and ability in some area. It may be the gift of being a mechanic or in the medical field, a surgeon or a businessman that has a unique and uncanny gift to make money or real estate. You just know how to market. You just know how to do it. Maybe it's a musician. Maybe it's an athlete. Maybe it's a preacher, a singer. Everybody, communication, whatever it is that your gift is in, God says that gift will make room for you. That gift, where, in other words, where, where, they won't, where they don't think you belong because you have this gift, if you will feed that gift and you'll consecrate that gift to God, that gift will push you in and make room for you at the table. And you will stand before great people. Great people. What a promise. And then I want you to look in Numbers chapter 11 real quick. And um, Moses is speaking and he says, I'm not able to bear all of these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. He's in the wilderness. They're murmuring and complaining about everything. And he says, so just kill me in the next verse. And that's pretty low, you know. And verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, Gather me 70 men of the elders whom you know to be elders of the people, officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle meeting that they may stand there with you. Then I will come down and talk with you there and I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put it on the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people that you may not bear it yourself alone and I'll, I'll stop reading but if you keep reading God did exactly that and they begin to prophesy under spirit of prophecy they had the same spirit the same language the same words that Moses had to the people and they took them into the promised land ultimately I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about something that's true. When you, when you uh, study the Bible and you see the way that God operated, the way that God planned for His people and His kingdom to operate, it was one of victory, success, wisdom, leadership, power. God in his way of thinking and system and mentality intended for his people to win. I, I can't see anywhere in the Bible where he intended for them to lose. Ultimately, we win. 
We influence, we overcome as we were just singing. And when you read of the men in the Bible, the first major character other than Noah and Adam would have to be Abraham. He was the, he was the one that would establish the nation of Israel. He is called the father of faith. And it was Abraham that began to use his gift, which was the gift of faith, and give it to God. And in return, God filled him with wisdom. God not only filled him with wisdom as he began to operate in the system and the government and the kingdom of God thinking and mentality and dreaming. He established a nation where there was no nation on the earth his gift, the gift of faith, made room for him and his family that ultimately became a nation that even to this day, that tiny nation of Israel is there because a man's gift made room for that people where the people said, we will not give them room. And Abraham was wealthy. Abraham was wise. Abraham was godly. He was a man of influence. He was a man of power. Now listen to me. God fully put him in a system where his giftings would flourish and he would have great influence, great wisdom, great impact, great leadership. The founder, our George Washington, the founder of a mighty nation of Israel is a guy named Abraham. And that was the system, the way God thought that his people would operate. Abraham, and Abraham has Isaac, and, 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 and he begins to operate the same way. And the Bible says he was very rich and very powerful. The Philistines, the scripture said, envied him. The Philistines were, the, were, the, were a very powerful people, but they saw his wealth and they saw his wisdom and they saw the favor on his life and the way that God blessed him. And he was the, the envy of the Philistines. And then Jacob, the third generation, the great-great-grandson of Abraham is raised in that same system, that same thinking, that same mentality that we win. We're the head and not the tail. We're people of influence. We're people of authority. We run things. We manage things. We're not less than. We're not nobody's nothings and doing nothing. We are powerful people because we have a covenant with our God and He causes us to triumph. And, and, and this mentality now for three generations has been passed down and Jacob has 12 sons. God changes His name from Jacob to Israel. Therefore, they become the children, not of Jacob, but of Israel. Because God changed his name, and that's where that came from. And one of those children was named Joseph. And Joseph has been trained in such a system of success and wealth and wisdom and power that when they take him out of the system and put him in a foreign country in a prison under false accusations. He rises from the top because he thinks different. He came from a background that said God can do exceedingly abundantly above. And he didn't said my, and that the favor of God is not hindered by my present circumstances enough to hold what's my gift will make room for me even if I'm at the bottom of the dungeon my gift will make room for me and I'll stand before great men and before God got through with him I'm trying to calm down but but, but, but before God got through with him 
Joseph was running the finances of the entire nation of Egypt. He's a foreigner, and they give him the, the massive bank accounts of, of the richest nation on the planet at that time. This was the mindset. This was the norm. This was the way they fought in the kingdom. This was the way we manage. We, we are people of influence, wealth, and wisdom. And then you move into Moses' time. By the time you get into Moses' time, the Bible said there came another Pharaoh who knew not Joseph nor his God, and he got jealous of how powerful and prosperous those people were that he stripped them of their wealth and enslave them. And by the time Moses shows up, you don't even recognize this same people that are the descendants of Abraham because they have been pulled out of God's system of, of blessing and of winning and of managing and of being the head and not the tail, and they have become slaves. And after generation 430 years of hearing you're nobody, you're nothing. Here's your piece of bread and here's your cup of water. You'll never be anything. Live in Goshen, which was the ghetto side of Egypt. You live there in the slums. You're nobody. You're good for nothing. In one generation after another, after another, after another, they're in chains. They're in slavery to the Egyptian pharaohs and they cannot get out. And God sends a man by the name of Moses. He's born to his mother. His mother recognizes there's something different about this child. She said he's a goodly child, meaning there's something different. This child is gifted. And she hid him. Even if they try to hide you, a man's gift will make room for him. And she takes him and puts him in a basket. Watch this. And she thought she was doing it to protect his life. And she was because Pharaoh said, I'm going to kill all the children uh, of the Hebrews because I don't want anybody to threaten my kingdom, so I'm going to kill all the male children. And she took that child because she thought he was gifted and put him in a basket and sent him down the Nile River. And when he's going down the river, what God is doing is God is saying, I cannot let you, Moses, stay in this mentality, in this system that has been established for 430 years. It's one that says you can't do it, you're no good, you can't achieve, you're in chains, you're addicted, you'll never be free, you can never have nothing, never own a home, never have anything, never get out of college, never graduate from high school, never graduate from college, and it's been for generation after generation after generation, nobody stays married, nobody prospers, nobody does well, nobody, everybody, all this, you know, some people just are always into drama, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, they don't even feel like they've had a party till somebody's been arrested or somebody's been cut, you know, it ain't even a party, we're waiting on somebody to get in trouble, and they, and they live off drama, and it's a mindset. That just give me, just, just Pharaoh, Pharaoh, government, give me, give me, give me. And they don't understand that's a system that you can have all the giftings and talents in the world. But if the system is holding you there, you're never going to get out. You got to change systems. So God says, if I leave him there as much as his mother loves him, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. She thinks just like they think. So I got to get him out of the system, send him down the river in a basket. 
Pharaoh's, uh, Pharaoh's daughter is bathing in the river and she sees a baby, takes him out of the basket and raises him in a whole new system, which is interesting because just down the river, there's a whole new system operating. Whole nother, same town, same area, same geographical location, but two different systems. And one is poor and one is wealthy and one is powerful and influential and the other is chained and bondage and addiction and all kinds of stuff and never getting out, never breaking out, never fulfilling the gifts that are there. And the other one has wealth beyond anything and, and and influence and management and power like you wouldn't believe. And God says in order to get the gift where it needs to be, he's got to be exposed to bigger thinking. He's got to be exposed, and, and we're going to change his language. The Bible said they taught him the Chaldean language, not the Hebrew language, because if you're going to operate in this system, you got to learn how to talk right Got to learn how to communicate right. Got to learn how to get in this world. And you can't be talking the lingo of that world if you want to succeed in this world. Because this is a system. And I'm all for people coming from all over. But we need to learn how that there is, there is a language of success and a way that we talk about our lives that can bring death or life to our dreams. And watch this. So he gets him there and he learns their ways. And then ultimately, he destroys that system by the ten plagues that God sent. He brings the people out and then we're in Numbers chapter 11. And now the people are murmuring and complaining. And, and God says, or Moses says to God, just kill me, for I am alone. In other words, he wasn't saying I'm alone concerning company. I don't have any company. Because he, he had his sister Miriam. He had his brother Aaron, the high priest. He had Joseph, uh, or, or I should say Joshua, and had all kinds of people around him. He had all kinds of people. But they didn't have his spirit. They didn't have his dream of the promised land. They were history. They had a history mindset. He had a future mindset. They had a yesterday mindset. He had a tomorrow mindset. They had an Egyptian mindset. Let's go back. Let's stay where we are. Just give me a little bit. They, he had a promised land, milk and honey flowing mindset. And it makes such a difference. So I want you to see this now. So, so they're out there and, and once he, these people, God, God, they're, I'm, they're history minded. I'm destiny minded. And I'm so frustrated. Just kill me because I can't handle all these people. The, the system they're in, the way that they're acting, the way that they live. They just want a piece of bread and they just want to skim by. They're not like what you put in me and what I dream for because of what you've shown me, how mighty you are. And I can't get them there and I'm so frustrated. Just kill me. And God said, I'm not going to kill you. He said, find 70 men. Bring them to the tabernacle. And I'll take of your spirit, your mindset. And I'll put it on them. And the Bible said God did exactly that. And they prophesied. And to prophesy is the future talk. Anytime somebody prophesies, they're future talking. See, God's got to get us to future talk. 
more than we history talk, more than we yesterday talk. If I can get you to talk future talk and not talk about the pain of the past and not talk about where you came from and not talk about how wrong you were done and how bad you were done and how ugly you were done. Just stop it and get into future talk and prophesy future talk. I can change the nation. Speak where you are going, not where, where you are. A few centuries ago, Singapore was so poor, the nation of Singapore was so poor just a few generations ago, centuries ago, that Malaysia almost bought them out. They were so broke, their system was so broke financially that Malaysia thought about indexing the whole nation and buying it out, and they almost sold their whole nation. But they decided, some of the leaders got together and they said, let's try one last thing. We are over here and we've been locked in poverty. We've got gifted people, but if the gifted people and talented people are locked, smart people are locked in a system, they can never flourish. Their gift can't make room for them. But, so what we're going to do is they said in Singapore, we're, we're going to not only require our national language, but we're going to require every student to be taught English because at that time the, English, uh, the American economy was the strongest economy in the world. And they said if we want to flourish and get in that world where all that blessing and prosperity is, we've got to get our people to talk future talk and they changed and required every student to learn English fast forward to right now and there are more multi-millionaires in Singapore per capita than any other place in, in the earth including America secondly their uh, their standard of living is equal to that of the United States of America how did they do it they got their people to start talking a different language, they started talking future talk, not where we're not using excuses of why we have to stay here the rest of our life. You're going to talk future talk or yesterday talk? Now, let's bring it home. 38% of the pulpits of America over the next five years will receive, will have an older pastor retire and a new pastor, younger pastor come on the scene. That's a lot of churches. 125,000 pastoral changes will happen in the next five years. If those young pastors come in talking future talk, and the churches are filled with people who are locked in a system of how it's always been. They will lose an entire generation arguing because they don't want the church to change. They don't want the music to change. They don't want the style to change. And they sit out there like a bullfrog every time something does change. I'm preaching. This is how I preach in Georgia. I don't care. This is how I preach. They know what a bullfrog is. Young, new visionaries with future talk. This church is going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this. And they sit there because they want to live in the old system. Just 
talking yesterday talk. Because they want to live in yesterday. And you're either going to talk future talk and live in tomorrow and in your future or you're going to live in yesterday. And so John 14 gives the... We got to learn how to advance. We got to learn how to advance. Uh, Joel, will you come up here? And can I can I get this young man right here with the tennis shoes right there on the front? Yeah, will you come up here, Joel? Will you just stand right here? And sir, will you stand behind him? Jesus said in John fourteen, "Here's how advancement is supposed to take place in the body of Christ." I'm gonna pull it all together now. I'm 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 so far along. I'm almost done. But but listen and lean in real good. I want you to teach you something. I don't want you to ever forget what I'm about to share with you. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. The reason he said that is he said, you've got to get control of your emotions because what I'm about to share with you, you'll want to live in yesterday. But he's about to tell them, I'm about to leave you. Jesus started his ministry by talking about leaving. And he said, I'm about to leave you. I know you want me to stay here forever. And I know you are wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up in me. But I chose 12 disciples for a reason. Not so that I could stay here and it be a one-man show. I don't want to do this alone. But I want you to be empowered with my authority and my influence and my wisdom and my wealth and my name. And I want you to do, when I go away, I want you to take it. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled because your emotions want to let, hang on to yesterday. And I remember when Jesus was here. And, uh, and he said, I don't want all that. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to these words. I, want you, I know he's talking about heaven and all that. But what about right here? Listen to this. Here's God's system for advancement. I go... To prepare, said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to leave you. You stay here. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I get it ready, at the right time, that where I am, there you, notice, come on, push on me a little bit. Notice as long as I'm here, he can't be here too. Now, he could, but I'm just saying, he, he really can't be where I am as long as I'm here. In order for me to be, for him to be where I am, I've got to go. And then he's where I was. This is God's method of advancement. We prepare a place and a man's gift has made room for him. And it's not just one generation starting out and struggling, struggling, struggling and getting to a certain point and then dying and everything goes right back and start from scratch again. But it's supposed to be, I go in one generation and I prepare a place for you. That one day where I am, you will be also and a man's gift will make room for him and I've made a room for you. And I don't see it as demotion if I have finished that season of my life and I move to the right hand of the Father and sit down and I intercede for you and encourage and cheer you on. That's not a demotion. He didn't say I was demoted to heaven.
But what we do is we get, God prepares a place, a man's gift makes room for him, so we get a badge, we become a deacon, we become an usher, we become a singer, we become a worshiper, we become a preacher, we become whatever. And, and we think it's like an appointment to the Supreme Court that nobody can ever have this position because it's my place. And I've been in the altar team forever. And don't you dare look at me like you're going to get my seat, my badge, or anything like that. And the truth is, the truth is, if you got the right spirit, you're supposed to be looking over your shoulder for a new generation that... Maybe your own son or maybe your own daughter or maybe your own grandchild that one day that tag will come off and he'll become the new usher and he'll become the new worship leader and he'll become the new pastor. He'll become the new deacon. He'll become the new uh, singer. He'll become because God never intended for one person alone to do the kingdom stuff. That's why that's why I love what this church is doing. It's like I came. And I prepared a place and I looked over my shoulder and here comes all this magnificent team and here's Ben and Carissa and here's Javon and Shannon and here's Jabin and here's Shannon and here's Jake and here's the rest of this amazing team and Dr. Rich. And God says, your job is to prepare a place that where I am, there they may be also. And I'll be in here and I'm always be a part and I'm not retiring. I'm not one of those in the next five years. I'm 53. I got, I got a lot left in me. But the problem is when we get, and I've seen this happen. I'm just going to talk out of my heart. I've, I've been pastoring a long time. I've seen people get a position and a tag and a badge and all that. And they stay in the position longer than they have grace for it. And when you don't have grace for it anymore, then you become protective and possessive and ugly and you have the wrong spirit. There are ministers of music in churches who hadn't learned a new song since Amazing Grace. And if anybody comes up in that department of some young kid and say, I would love to sing a Hillsong song tonight, shut up and sit down. We don't see it. And, and, and they don't have the system of God that says, I go and prepare a place. That where I am, you step into it. But when you get there, don't get too comfortable because it's never going to be about you. Turn around and find, look behind you. There's a whole new generation and their gift, their gift is wanting to make room. But look, if you stay too long, see, we got two problems. We got one group that wants to hold on to everything too long. And the other group that wants everything too fast. And won't wait on their prepared place. So they go out and start their own ministry. In some weird storefront situation. And I'm just saying. That when it's right. And when it's done right. That's, what, that's, that's where I am. I don't need another church. I don't need another ministry. The Lord really dealt with me. He said, don't you understand your assignment at 53 is to prepare a place. Prepare a place for Jake 
that one day as I am, where I am, there you will be also. That, 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 that I stand on platforms and I preach to thousands of teenagers in conferences, you will be also. That I, all I'm doing is preparing a place. That all of these kids in this church and all of these young people, that we must be careful because they feel frustrated because they've got gifts and they hear different sounds and they've got talents. And, and, and just like my generation looked at my parents' generation and said, they're old fogies. I wish they'd get out of the way and let our music take over. But you got to wait for your prepared place and be faithful to God. Preaching better than you're letting on right now. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Give them a big hand. So, so let me close. Let me close like this. Get, and, and that means nothing. I'm just talking. So don't go for the musicians yet. I'm just, I'm just saying that to give you hope. So watch, watch Moses. Moses sees Joshua, a new generation. He says, that's my successor. There's no success without a successor. I can't do it alone. And, it, and, and what troubles me is these ministries, if they don't, you know, I, I love the Catholics. I love, I think they're wonderful people. And many of them, are, they're, they, I love their stand for life and all the things. I'm not throwing any stones. I love Catholics and, and deeply appreciate their stand on, on many issues. And I believe they sincerely love Jesus Christ. And you can debate all that you want. They love Jesus. And, and let, me, let me just say this though. Have you ever noticed like when the when the how long they wait to transition? The popes. I don't mean that disrespectful, but good God, they get it's like the guy's up there in that outfit and his half the time his eyes are kind of closed and how old is he? And has anybody checked to see if he has a pulse? Because this guy, they wait alone, and I think the church in general is kind of like that. I mean, we wait to pastors. I know pastors that are fighting for their ministry, and they're so old they don't have a successor because they can't celebrate somebody else's success. They can't get happy if somebody else preaches a good sermon because they feel too intimidated. And, and I'll, I'll let you believe, I've got some friends that are going to go to the grave and in the casket, they're going to be laying there with a the microphone in their hand like this. And they're, going to have, they're going to have to pry their fingers off to get the mic out and hand it to somebody else. I'm just preaching. I'm just telling you. I ain't going to be that way. I'm preparing a place. I believe you've got gifts. I believe you've got gifts. I believe you've got gifts. I believe there's gifts all over this room. And our job, gentlemen and women of God, is to prepare a place where they can step into it. We, you know, and at some point, the choir's going to get old. All you singers, all you singers, you, you, we, we can't, we, you can't go up there with your walkers. We can't have ushers with oxygen tanks trying to catch people. And, and they've fallen out having strokes themselves. 
So at some point, this is not disrespectful. I'm getting old too. But at some point, we got to look around and we got to mobilize another whole generation and say, get in the choir. You are my replacement. Get in the choir. I'll be your mentor. I'll sit at the right hand of the Father and intercede and encourage you. I'll help you in your marriage. We've been married 40 years and you guys can't get out of the system of divorce. Let us help you. You've been in a broke situation. I'm a successful businessman. Come on and let me help you. Let me minister to you. That's the God system of advancement. So I close with this thought. So, so Elijah and Elisha. Elijah is the old prophet. Elisha is the new generation. And it's time for Elijah to go home. And he takes a mantle, which is a robe, and he hits the water of Jordan and it parts. And they go across on dry land and a fiery chariot scoops down and picks Elijah up. And he goes up in a blazing chariot of fire and horses of angel driving the chariot. And he's on there waving bye to Elisha. And Elisha says something interesting. He didn't say, man of God, man of God. He said, my father, my father. He was his spiritual father. The, the uh, sons of the prophets, the sons of the prophets on the other side said, master, master. They saw him as a slave driver. But Elisha saw him as a spiritual father. Father, father. And as he's going up, I want to ask you, who are you helping go up? If you're not pushing anybody up, if you're not exalting somebody else, if you're not helping build and lift somebody else's dream and somebody else's call and somebody else, how can God raise you? The the thing that God looks at is when he goes up, then it's your turn. Where he was there, you will be also. He's prepared a place for you. But he's got to go up. You got to push him up. Who are you pushing up? You see these young men down here? You see Pastor Ben? You see these people? You ought to be pushing them up in their dream and in their call. And as you do it, when they go up, guess what? Somebody's going to get in the place where they were. It may be your children, your children's children. So let me end it by saying this. When he catches the mantle, the young guy, the Elisha, he takes the same mantle, and the last thing Elijah, the old man, did was part the water. The first thing that Elisha did was he started where the old man stopped. He didn't have to go back to the beginning and start from scratch all over again. Where one stopped, the other picked right up at the same place and started right where he stopped. And he did double. Everybody shout double. He did. That's how you advance and do double. Here's the key to it all. Here's the key. Here's the kicker to it all. The first time you read of Elisha, he's not parting water. He's pouring water. For the Bible said that there was a sarcastic man whom the king leaned. And when the king was in trouble, and he said, Is there not a man of God that can help us with our dilemma? And one of the sergeants said to the king, Well, there is a man, so-called man of God, but I've never seen him do anything... 
but pour water on the hands of Elijah like a servant. He's just a servant. He pours. He's a glorified water boy. You need some water, man of God. Here's a bottle of water. Do you like it filtered? Do you want some fizzle in it? Would you like a lemon? I'm a water boy. He's pouring water. But when God can trust you with a humble spirit that will pour water, He can promote you with a mighty spirit that will part water. And before you ever part water, you got to pour water and you got to serve and you got to do something besides just come and, and hear the pastor talk about the vision and never engage it. Are you pouring water? If you don't pour water, you'll, if you can't be trusted with the little thing, God can't trust you with the big thing. And if you don't pour water, you'll never part water. The man who's too big to do little things is too little to do big things. And it's just, it's just working in the parking lot. It's just being a greeter. It's just being an altar team worker. But God sees it as a water pourer. And he says, when, he, when the time is right, when they go up, guess who I'm going to use? There may be 10 more more qualified. But I'll choose you because you poured water. Now you'll part water. Because a man's gift will make room for him. And he will stand before great people. And I tell you what, every time I say that verse, I feel like shouting because I'm holding a microphone right now. And I know I'm an old man, but there was a time when I was so insecure that if you would have told me that I would be preaching to beautiful people in Southern California, some great people in this room, I was preaching to you. And you know why I'm here out of Georgia? I was this country as cornbread, raised in a in a cornfield in North Carolina and here I am my gift has made room for me and I'm standing before great people makes me want to fall on my face and weep makes me want to fall on my face and say God to God be the glory to God be the glory that he could take somebody and raise him up and he can do it for you in your field if you will obey his voice and give God your gift. It'll make room for you. Listen, stand to your feet, I'm done. But, but I feel like telling you that, that God already has somebody making room for you, preparing a place for you. They don't know it. They think they're doing it for themselves and they're preparing a place for you. That where they are, you may be also. And all you got to do is be faithful. And wait on your prepared place. Because when God says it's time, He opens a door that no man can shut. Promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west. Promotion comes from the Lord. Everybody say, he's preparing a place. And my gift will make room for me in that place. And I will stand before great people. Say this, I'm a person of influence. I'm a person of wisdom and wealth and power. I'm a manager. 
I am not just somebody who gets and says, give me, give me, give me. I manage. I'm the head and not the tail. Raise your hands and thank Him. And here's the key to the whole message. The only way you get out of one system into the other is get in the river. The Holy Spirit is the river and He can take you and your gift to the high places. To stand before great men and great women. Raise your hands and say, Lord, I thank you for every gift you've given me. And I stir up the gifts. The gifts that are in me, the talents, the abilities, the dreams, the call, the purpose, the destiny. I don't want to be history-minded. I want to be destiny-minded. I don't want a mindset of yesterday. I want a mindset. I want future talk. I want to prophesy. I want a future talk. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands just another moment. Just, Just wait on the Holy Spirit for just a moment. And thank Him for His anointing that's in this room right now. I feel God's presence here. Something's about to break loose in here. I sense it. God is about to commission your gift. God is about to release your gift. God is about to put your gift in His river. And His river is going to take that gift and it's going to make room for you. And people have tried to shut you out. And people tried to hinder your ministry and call and your purpose. And even in business and even in things like that. But God's Spirit is going to take your gift. And they won't be able to shut you out because your gift is making room for you. And you will stand before great people. And influence them mightily. Thank Him just a moment. I need you just to open up your mouth. And for about 30 seconds. If you pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost right now. For the next 30 seconds. Just pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.